Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Hey, 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 welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast today. I am joined by my wonderful co-host Matthew Betts and Matt Okada, and I am Kent Wyrock, as usual, here coming to you talking about some uh, running back consensus rankings for the Red Shirts podcast. So, gentlemen, it's it's time. It's start. It's time to start looking to next year truly in terms of rankings and where we have guys. Now we've started, got a good solid picture of everything. Uh, are you excited? Are you feeling good? Always feeling good when we're talking about running backs. So yes, I am. Very excited to talk about these running backs today. Yeah, and uh, you know, you learn from your rankings, I feel like, even though you're the one doing it, so everything you're ranking comes from your own head. When you actually put it put it down on paper or wherever you're putting it, not paper in this case, digits, zeros and ones and computer things, uh, you, f- you figure out things that you didn't know about what you think, so it's enjoyable. Yeah, you start to see those names next to each other on the list and you're like, who would I take if I was on the clock? And that's kind of the way I like to think about it. So, obviously, these are subject to change over time. We're still very early in the offseason, all things considered. So, uh, with the influx of rookies coming in later this month, the NFL draft is sure to shake things up, as it always does. So, we'll have those rankings get updated over time. But, for right now, let's talk about some news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. After the uh, kind of frenzy of the free agent period, things have slowed down a little bit. However, we do have one, uh, well, two real quick things to talk about in the news section today. First of all, the Lions have signed running back C.J. Anderson to a one-year deal. He just will not go away. He has to take someone's fantasy value. Last year, he sapped Todd Gurley dry later in the season. And this year, on Johnson, right? Is it coming or, or, or not? What do you think? I'm going to defer to Okada for this one because I know he's got some Patriot history to discuss with this oh. one with uh, Matt Patricia in So Hausler. true. I knew it was coming. He uh, Patricia lost his actual Patriot, LeGarrette Blunt, so now he has to go out and get the closest short, fat thing, which is <laughs> C.J. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, – he just doesn't want to have a bell cow. I don't know why. But on Johnson is as close to ready for that, I think, as you can have – Young, not, you know, obviously he didn't have much on his tires last year because he got injured, which isn't ideal, but he didn't get a huge carry count. And uh, now we're heading into the season. He could be an RB1 unless they decide to split work with CJ Anderson. And if CJ is as capable as he looked last year, which he's probably not because the Rams make everyone look better than they actually are, but if he is close to that, then he's going to look decent. Uh, running alongside uh, carry-on, and that's going to hurt carry-on's value. Yeah, it's... I mean, C.J. Anderson is not that good, and he's okay. He's like an okay running back. He's run-of-the-mill. I don't think he's anything special. He runs hard. He's an okay pass catcher at best. We saw that he was performing like Todd Gurley last year in the Rams offense, but that's because the Rams offense is good, like Okada said. So... I don't think he's too much to be worried about considering he's not the best pass catcher and Carrion Johnson is much better at that aspect. So I think he maintains some value there. But 
Uh, it's still not good to see. As someone who likes Carrion and wants him to see him shine, this is not a good uh, path to 300-plus touches right now, the way their backfield's lined up. Yeah, and just to speak to that, Kent, while you and Okada were talking, I pulled up LeGarrette Blunt's stats from last season just to see what his carry total was. Um, in that offense, he got 154 carries on the season, and he played in all 16 games. So if we're projecting this to be a similar type of situation where um, you know LeGarrette Blunt exits and C.J. Anderson comes in, if he's taking somewhere around 150 carries away from carry-on, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely going to limit his upside, which I think this seems like a situation where fantasy owners are more excited about him being the guy and giving him the chance than the actual coaching staff is. So um, hopefully that's not the case, but it's looking like it is, unfortunately. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and how, how things shake out in camp and preseason and all that good stuff down the road. But for now, uh, something to keep an eye on. And that will reflect in our rankings today a little bit. That might come up. So uh, actually, no, it won't come up today because we're only doing top 12. So I'll just let you <laughs> actually, know that right kidding. now. <laughs> on Johnson is not in our top 12. So uh, up next on the news docket, though, Duke Johnson of the Cleveland Browns has requested a trade. This is, of course, likely following the Kareem Hunt acquisition and then following suspension. You know, only eight games. I say only because people expected more. Uh, seems like Kerry, or excuse me, Kareem Hunt will come in and kind of take the pass-catching stuff right away and... Duke Johnson kind of understands that and wants to get someone wants to get somewhere where he can have a little bit more opportunity. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so this one's really interesting. For one thing, Duke still has three years left on his deal with the Browns, and he's set to make anywhere between three and six million dollars over that uh, span per year. So someone's going to have to eat that if they want to trade for him. Having said that, he's a very, very capable running back, and not just as a pass catcher where he's elite. But also, between the tackles, he's been pretty decent for the Browns in spurts. So I'd like to see him go somewhere else. If I was the Browns, I wouldn't do it until around the time Kareem Hunt's coming back, which is right around the trade deadline, so that would be pretty convenient for them. But at some point, I I think it would be good for him to get traded, and I would really like to see him go to the Eagles or the Buccaneers. Yeah, I was going to say, too, the Eagles are definitely rumored to be interested in trying to see at least what the price tag is to get him from the Browns. Um, I wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised to see that happen either Okada and I think it'd be a pretty good fit alongside Jordan Howard those two would complement each other really well so I would love that landing spot uh, for Duke Johnson there I think another thing to kind of consider here is if potentially he does get dealt before the start of the season there's going to have to be someone else whether it's through the draft or another cheap free agent that has to come in to supplement Nick Chubb during those first eight weeks like you said because Kareem Hunt is out so that's another interesting situation to me that I'm going to be looking forward to monitoring um, this summer and this offseason. Okay, so I don't think this is a good landing spot for fantasy purposes, but I could see him maybe going to, like, the Jaguars. Um, someone They just lost TJ Yeldon. Their backup is Thomas Rawls right now, so that's not really that that great. And Leonard Fournette has already kind of exclaimed his own, his own problems with the system there. So maybe he tries to look to go somewhere else once his rookie contract is done, and then Duke Johnson can step in and get to be a lead back like he always wanted to. So... Uh, that's more of a over realistic expectation or not a, uh, like guess of where I think he could go. Um, and it'd be okay. It'd be an okay spot fantasy wise, but yeah. And really quick for just from a dynasty standpoint, I would say to go grab him now, because if he moves to another system where he's just a pass catcher, it's a lateral move, which means if you buy him at his current price, you're not losing anything. And he can be really productive in a PPR uh, format. 
But if he goes somewhere where he gets a little bit more of a carries role, maybe somewhere like Philadelphia or Tampa Bay really, I think, would be ideal. But I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, or even the Jaguars with Leonard Fournette's injury history. Then you get a bump in value. So I think now is a good time to buy him. All right. And then let's uh, go ahead and talk about a little bit of injury news. Doctor, doctor. Uh, real quick, we got to talk about Will Fuller, who apparently his coach Bill O'Brien said has a chance of being ready to return for training camp following his, that was a ACL tear, right? Yeah, that's correct. ACL tear in the right knee. So, you know, obviously looking at the timeline and all that, do you expect Will Fuller to actually be ready for training camp, A, and B, do you think he's going to return to his uh, speedy burner style of uh, receiver that he's capable of being? In terms of the timeline, it's definitely going to be close. He tore the ACL in week eight. Um, so it's it's right, kind of right on the borderline of what we would expect him to be ready for week one. There's definitely a chance. So this is not coach speak. I mean, there is a legit chance he is ready. Um, it's actually surprising because most coaches will just come out and say that he definitely will be ready or their player is in the best shape of their life. So at least he's being a little bit more honest with us here. And it's not a guarantee. Um, in terms of will I think he, he will I think that he gets back to the sprinting style deep threat player that he is absolutely not i am 100 percent staying away from Ooh. will fuller this year because not only the acl but also his history of hamstring injuries which when you combine that with an acl tear we know these guys coming off of an acl injury are more likely to have those soft tissue injuries around the knee which that includes the hamstring Combine that with a prior history of hamstring strains and you've got recipe for disaster, especially for a guy like Will Fuller who relies so much on his top end speed to get down the field. And that's when those hamstring injuries happen. So for me, I can't see a scenario where Will Fuller plays in all 16 games and he won't even be at his best until midway through the season, given the timeline for his ACL. So yeah, he's a guy that I'm definitely staying away from. And in dynasty formats, I would recommend selling when training camp gets here and the hype starts to build. So for me, yeah, I'm I'm off Will Fuller this year. Does this mean you're a big Kiki fan? I do like Kiki. I like Kiki QT. He's an interesting guy because he's always been able to, in the past year, I should say, I shouldn't say always, in the past year when he's been in the league, the whole one year he's been in there, uh, <laughs> he looked good. But he has a history of hamstring injuries too. And if he can get those sorted out, I do like him in that offense playing alongside DeAndre Hopkins, who just takes so much pressure off of the the wide receiver too in that offense. Yeah, I, I do like Kiki as well. I think he can be an awesome slot receiver for them. And you know, those two guys don't really play the same role. So if Will Fuller is not able to perform up to himself, maybe they'd you know, bring in a different third wide receiver. I really doubt it, but I think Kiki could at least take the targets in that situation. So I'm a big fan of his as well. I think he'd be a great late late round target right now and especially based on what bets just said about the availability and ability of will fuller so uh, that remains to be seen all right and with that let's go ahead and move on over to our running back rankings i just felt like running <laughs> so <laughs> I just felt like running. Classic. That's what these guys do. They just love to run. They get the ball, and they run, run, run. So what we're going to do is we're <laughs> going to go through our top 12 consensus-ranked running backs right now. We all just updated our rankings today. So if you want to go check those out on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, you can see those live and in action. Those will be updated all over the offseason. But for right now, we're going to go one by one, 
and break down our consensus list and maybe talk about a, a couple of inconsistencies in each other's rankings as well. So up first, number one ranked across the board even, Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys running back. I'm kind of surprised we all have him one, to be perfectly honest, although this is kind of a growing trend I've seen on the Twitterverse and, and, and in fantasy football circles. Do any either of you guys have a comment on why you have him there uh, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, just to point it out, this is the only one where we all agree on the ranking, oh, yeah. so that's pretty interesting. Good point. And I think it's telling of how kind of locked in he's getting at this point to that spot. And for me, the, the reason is mainly he's been the best running back in the league for pretty much since he got here, as far as pure running. And then last year, we finally saw him add what has kept him from being the super elite number one in fantasy, per se, which is pass catching. He dominated in the pass catching game last uh, last year, really exploded out of nowhere, honestly. I think he had 70, 77? 77, yes. 77. Nailed that it. is very good. So with that kind of workload, with uh, his touchdowns will bump back up from where they were last year. Almost certainly he was really low, uh, outlierishly low. Out, outlierishly is a word, by the way. It is now. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, uh, I love Zeke. Yeah, and you you hit the the nail on the head there, Okada. It's the touchdowns. It's going to bounce back for him without a doubt. Last year, just six rushing touchdowns, which you know, for Zeke is extremely low. And even with that low touchdown count, it was still RB5 on the season in half PPR. So there's no way that doesn't come back up. I think the Amari Cooper touchdowns where he was catching, you know, a slant pass and taking it to the house, it seemed like almost every week during the second half of the season, that's got to come down. His rushing touchdowns will go up. And I agree for that reason, combined with the pass catching, uh, he's locked in at number one for all of us across the board. Yeah, I think he's extremely safe, and that's why he's there for me. Um, there's almost no red flags and nothing really that that large. I think the offensive line, although worse than a few years ago, is still fine, if not good. So that's not even a real concern. But uh, Zeke's just solid. And I have, I have one point to make, though, about the pass catching. 2018 was Zeke's only really good year being a pass catching weapon. What was the main difference on the Dallas Cowboys for 2018? Jason Witten. No, Jason Witten. <laughs> so, oh boy. If Jason Witten comes back, do you think that has an effect on the short passing game for Ezekiel Elliott? A uh, go ahead. No. <laughs> Jason Witten is too old and slow to do anything anymore. Sorry. No, I, I tend to agree. I just thought it was funny when I was kind of doing a little bit of research about this. So I uh, wanted to throw that out there. It's at least something to think about. By yeah. the way, just really quick, Zeke averaged more in fantasy after Cooper got there than he did before. So if anyone oh, thinks, yeah. oh, Cooper's going to steal a bunch of stuff, he's a weapon now, so Zeke's not the only guy, he literally averaged almost six fantasy points per game more with Cooper there. So with that spreading of the offense and all, every pretty much Cooper makes the whole offense better. It's going to make Zeke better. Yeah, one hundred percent. And real quick, just before we move on, a quick injury note. You talked about the line, Kent. Um, yeah. We know that they're they're good. They're top one of the top ones in the league. They're going to get stronger next year because they're going to get Travis Frederick back, which is kind of a missing piece of the puzzle here. Um, he dealt with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a neurological type of 
um, disease, basically, that in the short term, people really struggle with. But once doctors get it sorted out, it can be managed long term without having a lot of effect on his performance. So he's right now slated to get back, and that's going to be huge for that offense as a whole, as well as Zeke, because he plays that center position for the line. uh, And that's huge for what Dallas does, as we know. So just to put that in there real quick, um, so our listeners are aware that he should be back for this season. Yeah, great point. Um, So let's go ahead and move on down to number two on the list. And this is going to be the first point where we start fighting. So let's get to it. Todd Gurley comes in at number two consensus because Kent and Okada have him at two, but Mr. Betts, the big poopy pants himself, has him down (laughs) at six. Betts, explain why Todd Gurley is your number six running back right now. (laughs) The poopy pants. Explain yourself. Yeah, so with Todd Gurley, I mean, there's no denying his talent. I cannot argue that at all. He is still an elite talent in this league and at the running back position. Obviously, it's the knee and what that means for his usage going forward. You know, the news broke about a month ago or so that he's now dealing with this arthritis in his knee, which I argue it shouldn't really be news. That's the reality, and that's the normal for guys coming off of ACL injuries years down the road. But now that the Rams understand that, they know that if they want to keep him as part of their you know, foundation, as part of their offense for years, not just this season, they are going to have to limit his workload less than what it was last year. Now, the counter argument, which I think you guys are going to make, is that he's so good and that offense is so good that it might not matter. And I totally agree with you guys in that aspect. But for me, there's other guys that I'm more willing to take ahead of him because I think that they're going to be true every down workhorses and I love that out of my running back so that's really the only reason for me that he's a little bit lower okay that's fair um I do have a question for you as far as like because like the way I see it right now is that this number two spot is kind of a placeholder for Todd Gurley and that's provided that a Gurley makes it through training camp and the preseason without really re-injuring himself getting to full strength and continuing forward like we have plenty of time to see that and b the rams don't draft a running back which i believe they would not considering the faith they've had previously in justin davis and john kelly i see if those two things are are and malcolm brown yeah who they just retained uh from an offer sheet from the lions so that's a good point so they have they have plenty of backups there none of which i think threaten Gurley for his starter potential and if those two things are true, they don't add anyone in the draft, there's no reason he shouldn't be, in my opinion, of course, you're welcome to your own, but number two on this list. So that's, I guess, yeah, you're, yeah go ahead. Yeah, well, and I think it's really important that they let CJ walk and kept and re-signed Malcolm because if they had looked at last season when CJ was dominating and said, okay, if Gurley can't make it or if he needs to be spelled, we kind of want a guy we can really fall back on as a lead back I feel like they would have re-signed CJ because he really did well for them but going to Malcolm Brown who has been a no carry one drive of game backup bench guy I feel like gives me a little bit of confidence and then to Betts's point about our counterpoint which is this offense that that really is what it boils down to for me even if Gurley gets 75 percent of his touches that he's had over the past couple years, his touchdowns are not going to go down. Even last year, when at the very end of the year, when we saw him completely disappear from games in the NFC Championship, when he was doing nothing, he came in inside the five to score the rushing touchdown because he is the best 
running back in the red zone in the entire National Football League, both as a runner and a, a pass catcher. He's too good to be pulled out in those situations, which means I think he's still going to lead the league in touchdowns, and that's more valuable for fantasy than anything. So that's why I'm still willing to put Gurley this high. Yeah, and, and just to speak to that too, Okada, with your point of saying like if he gets 75% of his workload, um, I want to highlight what that means because in 2018, I, uh, I wrote an article over on Fanium, which is I do a little bit of work there in terms of any injury analysis, and I wrote this about Todd Gurley, and I said that's a very realistic expectation. So 75% of that is 230 total touches. That's about 258 fantasy points last season. That would have ranked him as, wait for it, the RB6 in 2018. So <laughs> I'm using that data to support why I'm ranking him as RB6 because, like I said, the performance isn't a question. It's just a matter of how much workload do they give him. Sure, sure. Here's a stat for you. In non-Jeff Fisher Rams teams, he averages 20 touchdowns per, <laughs> per year. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's insane. Uh, I don't think it happens every year, but he's a touchdown machine. I don't I don't see it changing, but that's uh the the health is obviously the big factor here. So I think um I think it's enough on Todd Gurley. I don't any last thoughts? Bueller? Okay. Nope. Let's move on to number three on the list. Uh, this is one we just talked about recently on this podcast, where we might be ranking him considering what's going on around him. But Saquon Barkley, the running back for the New York Giants, uh, is ranked number three on our consensus. That's going to be a four from me, a three from each of you. So we're all feeling about the same on him. I'm one spot lower. Um, How dare you, sir. Yeah, so I, I'm the outcast <laughs> here, so I guess I'll explain myself once again. This offense is bad. And unfortunately, the only spot where they have talent on their offense is the one position where it drives the entire offense the least in today's NFL. They don't have Odell Beckham anymore. They have Eli Manning throwing the football. Their offensive line is mediocre at best. I, I cannot see this offense providing enough opportunity for Barkley unless he provides it himself, which he very well might. He's that good. But I'm not confident enough in him right now to have him in my top three running backs. And that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I can't argue with those points at all. This offense nope. is going to be quite bad. Probably the worst in the league. Um, yeah, anytime you take Odell Beckham out of the lineup and replace him with Golden Tate, obviously it's not the same. The offense is going to struggle for sure. And and this has this eerie feeling that I feel like as the season creeps closer, I might be someone ranking Barkley outside of my top three which i have him in right now probably closer to four or five maybe even six um because it has this feel of a david johnson 2018 type of year ahead of him yep. which you know i think is realistic because of how bad the offense is it's nothing against saquon obviously he's amazing but yeah there's there's not gonna be a ton of scoring opportunities like you said kent unless he creates it himself which he can do with a home run ball but you don't want to rely on that each week in fantasy yeah the I agree. This could be one that changes for me. The one bit of hope I have is they have made efforts to improve their offensive line. So that could get a little bit better, which is good for Barkley, obviously. And then they have two first round picks. And I think there's a decent chance they spend one of them. Plus, first of all, they might trade back on their first one unless they want to get a quarterback. But they might spend at least one of them on a really good wide receiver. And if they do that, and he obviously he won't be, well, I shouldn't say obviously, almost certainly he won't be Odell Beckham Jr. But if he's good enough to add a true wide receiver one to that team, it could make up for a lot of the horrible 
loss that we're currently attributing to Barkley. So it, we'll see what happens in the draft. It might be, help me hold him here. Otherwise, it could change. Yeah. Um, like I you, you nailed it with the draft take. I think that they have a lot of value there that they could add on the offense in particular. Um to kind of improve this this chance, but I, I don't I don't see it very very likely. So until I see the improvement, I think he's going to be behind my current top three. Who will get to my third in a minute? But um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on down to number four. It's going to be Melvin Gordon, and we have a big swing here considering he's the number four consensus. I have him at sixth. Okada has him at four, and Betts has him at two. So I kind of just took the reins on Barkley and why I had him low. So I'll swing this one over to Betts and why he has him high. Yeah, Melvin Gordon is a guy that I feel like just doesn't get the love that he deserves in terms of being an elite running back and fantasy option. Um, I posted last night on Twitter that my top 10 RBs were as follows, and I listed Melvin Gordon as two. And oh my God, people, calm down. <laughs> okay, this, this can change. But when you look at what Melvin Gordon did last year prior to injury, he was the RB2 in fantasy points per game when you look at weeks 1 through 12 when he got injured with the MCL. So it's not like I'm saying that this is an unrealistic expectation. Clearly, this can happen, and it did happen. It was happening last year with the injury, taking that away from him. So for him, it's all about the elevation that he, he saw last year in the passing game, just like with Zeke. I talked about it, I remember, last August, saying that if, if he could increase his targets, he's going to be an elite option, and he did that. He averaged 5.5 targets per game, which was ninth in the NFL, and in a 16-game pace, that was 88. It would have been a career high for Melvin Gordon. Like I said, it, it's just a matter of staying on the field and being able to do that, and if he can do that, he's going to be a monster in that offense. The issue is, as everyone says, is the health. And I, I agree with you guys that he hasn't been able to stay healthy for the majority of his career. But when you look at last season in isolation, the MCL injuries are not something that is going to recur. They're a type of injury that typically happens with contact, meaning a defender hits the outside of his knee, causes it to buckle, causing the MCL to get injured. And that's exactly what happened with Melvin Gordon. And you just can't predict that. So for me, I'm going to take those injuries out, whether or not he deserves to have them out. That's my opinion, um, and I think he's going to be an absolute monster this year. I would love to scoop him up in, in round one. I'm glad you addressed the injury right there because I was going to kind of ask about that. I specifically remember watching that. He had this weird reverse in the backfield and cut really hard, and I think a guy hit him right then, and that's when he, when he got injured. And so I was going to ask you if you're concerned about that moving forward. The fact that you're not gives me a lot of confidence in Gordon, and – pretty much everything you were saying about how good he is is why I have him at four and pretty much right there with Saquon. You mentioned he was the RB2 before his injury. He wasn't just the RB2. He was basically equal with Gurley, and they were in a tier of their own. They were the absolute monster, like 28 points a game running backs. So as long as he stays healthy, I think he can certainly be that and should certainly be at the very top. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his scoring ability because that's a very good offense now. Um, one thing that does slightly concern me, and yet he's had improvement in the passing game, his attempts per game rushing went down by over three from 2017 to 2018. He only averaged 14.6 rushing attempts per game. And I know that especially, you know, we're talking half PPR right now for the most part. So kind of zoning in on that. I think that it's still scary that his rushing attempts is down to under the 15 mark. 
I think if you're looking for a workhorse running back, they should be above that in like the 16, 17 range. And then you're getting uh, four to five receptions on top of that if you're if you're lucky. So that scares me a little. I, I still think he's had, got a lot of opportunity in this offense. I think he's great. But uh, between the health and the declining rushing, he, I mean, he's only had 1,000 rushing yard season so far, four years in. That's a little concerning to me. So that's why I have him at six right now. Uh, let's swing on down to number five on our list. That is going to be Christian McCaffrey, and he is uh, ranked three by me and six by Okada and five by Betts. So I, I'm I'm higher on him than both of you guys are, and I would say that to me, Christian McCaffrey is Melvin Gordon or what Melvin Gordon should be. That's that's how I describe. I think he's he's capable of truly being a workhorse. He doesn't have anyone behind him. Uh, they re-signed Cameron Artis Payne, so that's their backup situation right now. There's no reason to be afraid of him. I, I don't think they have anyone else really. They might still have um, um, blanking on his name. Who's Fozzie Fozzie? Whitaker. Fozzie Whitaker, that's right. <laughs> oh, yes, Fozzie. So no competition. Oh, um, you know, you know, comparing him to our last guy on the list, Melvin Gordon at least has Austin Eckler back behind him, who does get a considerable chunk. And Justin chunk. Jackson. And Justin Jackson. Um, so, yeah, a lot less competition, equally involved in the passing game, if not more. And part of, again, a good offense with kind of an, you know, they've got an up-and-coming wide receiver one, so they're transitioning their receiving core a little bit. And I think their offense as a whole is is not quite as good as the Chargers, but pretty much there I mean pretty close so I I I would strongly prefer McCaffrey over Gordon uh, right now two quick things number one I just noticed that my rankings almost perfectly match the consensus so far which is really boring and means that I don't get yeah to you're not yeah and any weird takes yet <laughs> but having said that the reason that for, for me CMC is down at six, which is the lowest of any of us, is that, and maybe Betts can speak to this a little bit, but I feel like Cam Newton's going to be back healthy this year, and I think that his lack of health and therefore lack of ability to throw the ball down the field heavily contributed to McCaffrey breaking the receptions record for a running back. So if Cam is healthy and we don't see that kind of insane target count for Christian McCaffrey you're going to see a little bit of that production fall off and that might just knock him down a hair or two. Yeah, and actually that is a good point, Okada. The last probably month of the season, I would say roughly, he could not throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field with any type of velocity. So everything was a check down and everything was a screen pass to McCaffrey. And that's how they got success and that's how McCaffrey dominated. But to speak to that too, you know, he he was doing that before Cam's injury and, and part of that was the offensive design. So I'm not too concerned about that from... Christian McCaffrey's opportunity standpoint, I think that he's still going to get a ton of work out of the backfield as a receiver because he's so elite at that. Um, but from for Cam, he is going to be back for this season, and he's going to be back fine. The surgery that he had was not related to his rotator cuff. Basically, it was a cleanup for, um, for the joint, the shoulder joint. And those do well in the short term. There's a chance that you know later on in his career, maybe three or four down, years down the road, we're talking about changes that are happening for Cam. But for now, I'm not worried about him this season. He should be totally fine, and that means good news for Christian McCaffrey as well. Yeah, so in weeks 1 to 10, I was I'm trying to pull this up quick here while you were talking. 
Uh, you guys talked about how later in the season he had uh, a ton of, of pass catching work, but even weeks one through 10, he had 60 receptions. So that's six receptions per game. That for a running back right now is stellar numbers, and that's not even including his best weeks. So I still am a fan of him in the passing game. It might not be exactly like it was in, in those last few weeks where he gets 10 receptions. That's That's not likely, but it could happen sometimes still because Christian McCaffrey is probably their top weapon right now. Um, without questions, and he's going into his third year. Yeah, he's got more tread on the tire. Um, I think he's he's looking good for this year. But that's a fair point on Cam Newton. All right, uh, swinging on down to number six on the list, uh, which is interesting because none of us have him ranked uh, six or lower. It's kind of an interesting way how consensus shook out there, but I have him ranked five. Okada has him ranked five and Betts has him four, but due to the average value, he is sixth on our list. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Okada, you know what? Since we're all so close on this one, I'll let you take (laughs) it away on Alvin Kamara. Sure. So I'm actually surprised that Kamara ended up this low for me, which is a weird thing to say. Um, I'm the only one. No, it might, yeah. Yes. I'm the only. No. <laughs> what, you, what, <laughs> what is happening? I, I, <laughs> I was trying to decide if I was. The, I had the only one who ranked him above CMC, but Betts also ranked him above CMC by one hair. Uh, for me, I feel like Kamara is going to potentially be a little bit better this year because a Breeze is a year older, which kind of does the reverse thing from what I just described with Cam, and B, I think Latavius Murray is a step down from Mark Ingram, so. I feel like Kamara is probably going to have his best year, so that's why it was weird for me to have him down at five. But it's really just a matter of liking the other guys, the other four guys I have above him a little bit better. I still love Alvin Kamara. He's 100% in the same tier as McCaffrey, probably even Gordon for me, maybe Barkley. So no qualms at all. Yeah, as far as we talked about Gurley being like the touchdown king, I think Camara is is on his tr- on the track to be touchdown prince or or some variation of royalty. Uh, Duke. He had 13, 13 combined touchdowns uh, year one in twenty seventeen and eighteen touchdowns last year rushing and receiving. So he's he's getting a ton of them. And I think I agree with you in the fact that Latavius Murray is less of a risk to take touchdowns than Mark Ingram ever was. So. Uh, that could rise to 20. I would not be shocked. And obviously, he's a receiving monster. I never expect him to get 200 rushing attempts. I just don't think he's built for it. I don't think that's his skill set. And I don't think they need to, especially with Latavius there. So um, that's kind of why I have him where I have him. Five, I think he's a good, safe PPR play. Um, And he'll have some big weeks in there. Moving on down to number seven on the list. This is kind of spicy. And I wasn't sure if you guys were going to be as high on him as I was, but James Conner, the new starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wake of Le'Veon Bell heading to the Jets. Um, We have him at seven, so ranked ahead of Le'Veon Bell. That's a hint for maybe later in this episode, Bell will pop up. But I have him ranked seven, Okada has him ninth, and then Betts also has him seventh. Okada, uh, you're a little bit lower on him than Betts and myself, and we're both at the consensus level here. So what do you think about Connor this year? Yeah, for me, Connor is the start of a uh, tier that comes after the next two guys we're going to talk about. I think the next two guys we're going to talk about, who are my seven and eight, 
kind of belong in the sub super elite <laughs> sort of tier. And then James Conner starts a tier of really, really, really good, pretty much bell cow type guys. And that's what I think he'll be. He's going to get the huge lion's share of work in Pittsburgh. He's going to get a good number of touchdowns. I don't think the offense will be as good as it has been, but he was a better touchdown score really than Le'Veon Bell ever was. So I think he's going to score. Uh, he's going to get a lot of touches, which means he's going to get a lot of yards. He's doesn't have much in the way of competition. Jalen Samuels might get a few catches here and there, but I think Connor has a lockdown on this role in what should still be a good offense. So I really like him. He's not quite elite for me, but he's certainly an RB1 lock. Um, yeah, and you know, last year, I was going to try and pull this up, but I didn't quite get to it in time. Uh, James Connor had five multi-touchdown games for a running back. I think that's pretty good. I was going to look where he is uh, on compared to other running backs, but that feels like probably top five at the position, and that's the kind of stuff you need. That that wins you five weeks pretty much. I mean, not necessarily, but if you have if you have a production like that in your running back, well, I mean, considering he was like a waiver pickup, that's like your running back five. Uh, that's <laughs> solid. So, but that you know, this this year is going to be a little different because people are going to be drafting him high. Obviously, if we all have him as a mid running back one right now, um, it's it's a little bit riskier than than being a waiver guy. So, I still expect something like that. And I think I agree that. Um, I mean, Antonio Brown, yes, he is a big piece of that offense, but he's leaving behind a bunch of air yards, a bunch of touchdowns. I think this offense with Ben Roethlisberger can still be good, if not as good as it was before Antonio. I don't think it will be, but it'll be close if James Washington plays out uh, kind of in the way that Juju did. But anyway, I see him landing in a near bell cow situation. I don't think Jalen Samuels is going to take any sort of meaningful production, and I think he's kind of safe and... He might not be the most electrifying player, but those touchdowns matter, and you got to take that. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers running back just over the past five seasons has been amazing for fantasy, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's D'Angelo Williams, whoever it is, insteps James Conner out of nowhere last year and dominates. So I don't even necessarily love Conner as a player. I love that he plays for the Steelers, and that's really, that's yeah. really it. Um, yeah. In terms of A.B. leaving, obviously it hurts the offense. But there's a chance that this team who, I think I have to look back at the numbers, I think threw it the most in the league. Is, is that right? Do you guys know off the top of your head? Yes, Ooh. and they had the most passing yards, too. Yeah, I feel like that has to come down, and, and that might mean more work for Connor as a rusher uh, and as a runner out of the backfield. So either way, you you know, you know analyze it and break it down. Connor's safe this year. He's going to be a fantastic option, especially if you get him you know, in the back end of, of round one or start of round two in your draft. So I love him this year. Um, I'll definitely have a lot of him. Okay, one little tiny interesting thought that I just popped into my head. This could be the first year in, I don't know, eight years maybe, six to eight years, that the Steelers, A, aren't the favorite in their division, and B, aren't the best team, one of the top two or three teams in the AFC. They, I feel like they're going to drop out of what they have been from a, in terms of double-digit win, conference-leading type team. And I'm wondering how much that plays into how good their running backs have been. And if they're playing from behind more because they're not winning as much, could that potentially affect the way that the offense pans out? And I'm not sure the answer yet, but that's just a thought. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely could. That's a valid argument. But when you look at last year, it's not like they were even that good last year. They didn't even make the playoffs, and they were barely above 500. So I think they can at least replicate that from last season. Um, maybe a game or two more in the loss column, meaning they don't do quite as well. But, I mean, if they're right around 500, they're still going to be good enough for fantasy. And obviously, that's what we're talking about. So for me, not a huge concern, but I definitely can see where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, I agree with that. And while you guys were talking about it, I did look it up. Uh, this is running backs with multi-touchdown games, rushing or receiving. Top two players, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, six apiece. After that, it's James Conner tied with Christian McCaffrey for five, and no one else has more than uh, three. So that's elite territory uh, as far as big touchdown games. I just want to throw that stat out there. Uh, coming up at number eight on our list is going to be Joe Mixon. I have him ranked eight as well as Betts, and then Okada has him seven. So I think, Okada, you, you were kind of hinting at Mixon here a little bit previously. So go ahead and tell me uh, your thoughts on him. Yeah, Mixon I, I really, really like. He fits into the – I think him and David Johnson, who, spoiler alert, is the next guy on our list. Sorry, I, I ruined that surprise. Wow, <laughs> ruin it. I, I think him and David Johnson are kind of an interesting little mini tier that comes after the Kamara McCaffrey range and before the Connor and everyone else range where those guys are really, really good running backs who are clearly the bell cow and clearly can pass catch. So all the things we like to see in our elite RB1s, the one thing that's different about them is their offenses are highly suspect. But I'm confident in the Bengals' offense this year. Andy Dalton, he has this up-and-down thing where sometimes he looks amazing and sometimes he doesn't. He dealt with injuries last year. The whole offense dealt with injuries last year, including A.J. Green, who should be back. Mixon's going to be another year into a career that's already looking great. He's clearly a very talented running back. So I think he takes a, a next step. And I don't think it's quite going to be to super elite status, but I think it's going to be a next step, and he was already in RB1 last year. So I really like Mixon this year. There is really one, well, I'd say it's a combination of two scenarios that I see as possible, at least plausible, that prevents me from putting him up closer to like my top, you know, six or seven range. And that's why he's on the cusp here at eight for me. Um, I could see the Bengals drafting a rookie quarterback, subsequently Ooh. cutting Andy Dalton for zero debt for zero dead cap. Wow. And I could also see them trading AJ Green. Those two things I see as at minimum plausible. So if either of those two things happens, the offense takes a hit. And that's the type of stuff that really starts to worry me. That's, you know, if we're looking at a quarter, excuse me, a rookie quarterback situation, kind of similar to how DJ fell off with Rosen at the helm, it's, it's sketchy for a, even a workhorse running back like David Johnson, who we thought all was, we all thought was locked and loaded top three running back last year. He did not perform to that standard. So, that could easily bump Mixon down a bit in my rankings, and this this kind of reflects that. In your uh, Nostradamus scenario here, does AJ <laughs> Green go to the Patriots? Hum, da -da 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 hum. <laughs> uh, that that's one of the landing spots I've considered. I um I I don't know how likely it is considering how they operate, but you know they did trade for Randy Moss, and we've seen things like that, but um. I don't know. We'll see, I guess, but that that's one of the spots I could see him going to. Yeah, I uh, 
I think that would be incredibly interesting for fantasy. But can't, if you wouldn't mind bringing us out of this fantasy world that you brought us this into now, these random traits, yeah, <laughs> bring it back into the, the real. Fantasy. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So if we're going down the path of neither of those things happens, then I think I might move him ahead of James Connor, but maybe that's it. So that would put him behind Melvin Gordon for me, and I, I, I don't think I could bring myself to put him above him. Yeah, I, I feel like I hedged when I ranked Mixon here. I feel like he could easily be in the top three, and I could feel like he could easily be outside of the top 12. So I just kind of put him in the middle. I just hope that with the new coaching staff in-house that they just unleash Mixon and let him truly show the potential that he has because I feel like with Marvin Lewis at the helm, it was just so redundant and old school way of using the running back and just didn't it wasn't today's NFL in terms of how Mixon can be utilized and he is elite as a pass catcher as well but they didn't use him that way so if they can kind of unlock him a little bit more I think that he could easily jump into our top five um, when we're talking about this next year yeah I could agree with that so we'll keep an eye well maybe maybe my my predictions will come true and then you guys will just you know you'll finally respect my Nostradamus ways but (laughs) Um, coming up at number nine on our list is David Johnson. We talked about him briefly there. I, I still don't really know where to rank him and it, I can kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm ranked. I, I have him ranked number 11 right now. Okada has him eighth and Betts has him ninth. So I'm still, I still don't believe in the offense. And I've kind of talked about this a few times now that if, if a running back's not you know, if there's if there's not talent outside of the running back on the offense, I don't know if I can trust it. And we don't know what's happening with Rosen, if they're going to draft Kyler Murray. Um, there's a lot of question marks here still, and I'm sure my ranking of David Johnson will change. I can almost guarantee it. Um, but for now, I, I if nothing changes, I can't move him higher. That's how I kind of see it. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um for me, the reason that he gets to eight and ends the Mixon and David Johnson mini tier is that I feel almost certain that things will change because they had literally the worst offense I have ever seen last year. It was terrible. It was historically bad in every respect. They were trash. And it was a talent problem, but mainly it was a coaching problem. And in in the complete inability to to call the right plays, scheme things correctly, they just ran David Johnson straight into the line. It was horrid. And now they're bringing in whatever we can say for his lack of coaching skill in the or experience, I should say, in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury. What we do know that he is is an offensive guy. You can call him a wizard if you want or whatever other interesting term people use. But he's coming out of Texas Tech where they run that air raid and they lead the all of college football repeatedly in total offense, especially in the passing game. <clears throat> so I don't I don't think there's any way that the offense doesn't get better. And I think that they use David Johnson in the passing game a lot as they should. And because of that reason, I think his talent wins out and he bumps his way back up a little higher. And by the way, this is pretty much where he finished last year, even in that horrible offense. Hmm. Yeah, those are all great points, Okada. And just to add to that argument, because I pretty much agree with you, I have him right right one spot above you. Kingsbury uses the running back extremely well in his system. And David Johnson is perfect for that because of how good he is with receiving. He's basically as good as a wide receiver when he lines up outside. Dating back to 2014, Cliff Kingsbury's offense 
ranks fifth most in receiving yards to the running back position in college football. So he's going to use him a ton and in much more creative ways than obviously Steve Wilkes did last year, which literally was run up the middle, run up the middle, and then next drive, we're going to do it again. And then the drive for that, we're going to try it again. And then the one after that, we're going to do it one more time to see if it works. And it doesn't work. So I think that he gets unleashed this year, and there's a chance that he finishes well above where we have him ranked. Yeah, I I, I can get behind that. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the the uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Cardinals over there. Uh, up next, let's go on to the Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. I have him ten. Uh, the consensus is ten. I have him ten. Okada has him ten. Betts has him thirteen. Betts. Why are you so low on my Vikings running backs? <laughs> Mostly just to get a reaction out of you. No. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I was thinking about this when you were going to ask me, and I was looking at these rankings and thinking to myself, why did I have him so low? And to be honest <laughs> with you, I think it's just a matter of the fact that the running back position is so deep. I feel like this year, more than any other year, I would literally love to have every single one of these guys on my roster. So there's nothing that I have against Alvin Cook. I think he's in for a big year this year. But when it comes down to who I would prefer when I'm on the clock of the guys that I have just above him, um, some of which we've already talked about, some of which we're going to talk about, I would prefer those guys just one step ahead of Dalvin Cook. I have nothing against him, though. I think he's going to be fantastic, and I'm hoping that he can really prove to everyone in the NFL what he can do when he's not uh, injured and banged up. So I like him just a little bit less than you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and we definitely saw the turn of that offensive scheme towards the end of last year uh, with a abandonment of the pass like crazy and a latching onto Dalvin Cook and running it harder. So if that continues into this year, I think he has really, really high upside. And really quick, that was the thing, what Beth, what you just mentioned, that I learned most. We talked in the beginning how we kind of learned from our rankings. This is such a deep year. What the heck? I feel like running back has been awful for years, and once you get past like 15, you don't you don't want to touch anything. And I'm looking at like the top 26 guys and feeling really good about them. So for me, this is probably going to be a, a zero RB or a wait a little bit on RB type year and get a couple of the guys later in the teens. But mm. yeah, yeah, crazy. That's a good call. The, Dalvin Cook needs two things to go right for his season to be a running back one season. He needs to stay healthy, and he needs to hit the pay dirt. He has not been getting those touchdowns uh, that a top-tier running back needs to get. He only has a combined six touchdowns in his first two years. That's not what you like to see. So if they if the Vikings can find a way to get him in the end zone, he's going to have a better season. You know what you do like to see, Kent? What's that? The departure of Latavius Murray. You do <laughs> like to see that, for, for Dalvin Cook's sake, yes. That is an outstanding thing. at least thing. a few touchdowns. Yeah, I mean we have we have uh, you know undrafted guys Mike Boone and Rock Thomas and Rock Thomas even got in trouble with the law recently. We've yet to hear what's going to happen with him, but um, yeah, no Dalvin's opportunity is there if he can stay healthy. Yeah, they have to address the running back position though in the draft, don't you think, Kent? Uh, I would say a mid to late round running back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, someone to back up Dalvin, but they they can't enter the season with that as the depth chart, especially if one guy is dealing with legal troubles. They Probably they have not. to draft someone. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I've been kind of doing that in my mock drafts. So let's uh, let's clear up these last two names on our list, and we have a couple of discrepancies to talk about real quick. Uh, number 11, Le'Veon Bell uh, is our number 11 consensus rake running back. I have him 9. Okada has him 15, and Betts has him 11. 
Uh, this is now – oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not the first one outside our top 12. Betts had Dalvin Cook at 13. But this is the lowest-ranked running back so far from Okada. So I want to hear uh, what you have to say about Le'Veon Bell being outside your running back one range. Yeah, so this one was really interesting for me because when I when I did my rankings, I kind of threw everyone where I thought they would be roughly, and then I started going through each one and moving guys above other guys who I liked more. And when I first threw Le'Veon Bell down, he was right around this range, and then I just kept moving a guy above him, moving another guy above him, moving another guy above him. <clears throat> and what it boils down to is mainly this. Number one, he's never had more than nine rushing touchdowns. He's had 8, 8, 3 in a year he didn't play a lot, 7, and 9. That was on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we've talked about having one of the best offenses in football for all that, that entire, the entire time of Bell's career. Now he's going to the Jets, who, as much as we can maybe give a little bit of hope of a bright spark of offense in their near future with their very nice new uniforms. Those are if, so bad. <laughs> if nobody saw the new uniform stuff, you guys have to look that up on Twitter. The videos are great. Uh, and I'm sure Le'Veon will Bell will look very nice in one, but I don't see how he gets to his 8-7-8 eight, eight touchdown mark that he normally hits going from that offense to this offense. So I think that he's probably the lowest touchdown total of any of the guys in our top 12, maybe even top 15. That hurts a lot. I, I've mentioned before how I think touchdowns are so important. And then the other big one, and we've talked about this already multiple times, so I'll be really brief on it, is he's the patient runner who needs a good offensive line, and this offensive line is not good. I think he's going to struggle a lot from a yards per carry standpoint. And so even if he gets a hefty, hefty workload, which he probably will, it's not going to pan out as well as we'd like. So I just kept moving a couple guys above him. We'll talk about a couple of those guys, but I'm a little concerned for Bell. Yeah, what... What do you guys think is worse, the new Jets uniform or Le'Veon Bell's new rap album? Well, that, have you so, heard it? I don't think the uniforms yeah. are that bad. So That's your answer. <laughs> the rap album. I, I, I don't know how I feel about the uniforms yet, but the rap, as Keaton Allen said, is trash. So that was, <laughs> that was the bla- Their black uniform, I think, is legitimately good. I like that one that a lot. That was pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah. so... <clears throat> they're they're middle of the road. I d- they're not great. They're not terrible. <clears throat> but yeah, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this is kind of a weird situation because we talked about how that Steelers offense produces a running back one. So now we have this question of was Le'Veon Bell truly as talented as we all thought he was, and as such a good re- receiver as we all thought he was? Uh, I think he is. Um, but we're gonna find out if that's true or not behind the Jet- the Jets offensive line which is a couple steps down from the Steelers, um, but fine, I guess. So with Sam Darnold throwing the ball, is that better or worse than Big Ben throwing you the ball for a running back getting PPR points? Um, I think it's worse from just the standpoint that Ben's better than Darnold or yeah. has been, and then from the standpoint that I think he is more of a threat which yeah. means that, yeah, it opens things up for Bill. That's fair. Um, Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, Bell is an enigma right now. He's kind of tough to read because he's just been, you know, the Steelers with the Steelers for so long. And so now we're going to find out uh, truly what Bell is capable of on his own from a talent perspective. So we'll see how that looks next year. But up last, 
on our consensus top 12 is Nick Chubb. I have him ranked at 14, Okada at 13, and Betts at 10, so he dragged him into the top 12. Betts, what do you feel about Chubb this year, and um, do you think he'll be able to fend off Kareem Hunt? Yeah, that's that's the big question mark for sure, is what happens when Kareem Hunt comes back? So, you know, when we talk about ranking these guys, I like to rank guys based off of where I would like to draft them. And when you look at Nick Chubb, he's going to have the entire backfield to himself for at least the first eight weeks of the season. This offense is going to be fantastic this season with the weapons that they have now with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. I mean, the scoring opportunities are going to be there because they're going to drive the ball down the field so much. So I love that from Chubb. In terms of what Kareem Hunt brings, yes, he's super talented, but he's not just going to step onto the field in week nine and take half the workload away from Nick Chubb, especially if Chubb's been effective for the first eight games. That would make no sense for the offense to do that. And I think Freddie Kitchens is smart enough to recognize that. So yes, it's possible that Kareem Hunt affects Nick Chubb late in the season, maybe during fantasy playoffs, but I don't play projecting that far ahead. I play to get into the playoffs, not to try to project myself winning the championship. So you got to get in to have a chance, and I think Nick Chubb's going to get you there with a monster workload for the first two to three months of the, of the season. Yeah, that that was a really key point at the end there, Betts, and that's how I got him up to 13 when I've kind of talked previously on the pod about how much I think Kareem Hunt will take. But the you need to get to playoffs, and... Besides that, there's a decent chance that Chubb gets injured in Week 10. You trade him because he's got such great value and you know Hunt is coming back. You find a waiver wire guy who's so good that he can fill in that void if Chubb loses a few. There's so much stuff that can happen over the course of nine weeks in a fantasy season that I'm really not too concerned, even though I do believe that Kareem Hunt's going to take a significant chunk of his value and he won't be an RB1 after Hunt comes back. That full span that he will be is enough to keep him up here for me. If Duke Johnson gets traded, and I, you know, I said this before, I think he will, and then shortly afterwards he demanded a trade. Um, but I, I think if that follows through and he actually does go to another team, I have no problem with both of these guys being in my top 15 running backs. That's kind of how I see these two operating in tandem um, and how I think the, the Browns' offense is going to be this year. I don't think that's even too crazy to say, to be honest. Knowing how good Hunt is and and how good Chubb was last year in this offense, I think I think that's potential. Yeah, that's that's definitely the ceiling, Ken. I agree with you there because of how good this offense is going to be. I just don't know that we have enough of a sample size of Freddie Kitchens being the play caller there and how they use, utilized the running backs last year. So. It's going to be a polarizing topic, I think, for all fantasy players this year. I'm really interested interested to see how it shakes out. But, man, are the Browns going to be good. Yeah. I'm very excited to watch uh, Kitchens and Munkin take that offense and turn it into a just a fun thing to watch. Like kind of how the Bucks were last year uh, when, when Munkin was their offensive coordinator. So uh, there's going to be some fun stuff there. Um Let's go ahead and wrap up our top 12 there and move on over to some inconsistencies we have outside the top 12 consensus rank. So kind of how we did this is beyond our running back ones, we picked a guy for each of us that was really strangely ranked compared to the other two. And it could be up or down or all around town. 
So <laughs> we'll start with uh, Darius Geis, and he is ranked. Uh, I don't know what our consensus is on him. Maybe someone can pull that up quick. But Okada has him 29. I have him 28. And then Betts has him up at 21. So there's a pretty considerable jump there. And we kind of just want to hear what Betts' thoughts are on Darius Geis. Yeah, for sure. I'm pulling up his consensus rank, and it's at 26 for us right now. Um, so I'm obviously the highest on him. And I think the reason that I have him up there, and I, I don't even think that's high, to be honest with you. 21 isn't that that high. Yeah. There's not much else in Washington. So I think that eventually when he does get on the field coming back from this injury, there isn't going to be a lot of competition for him to succeed. I think that early on in the season, Adrian Peterson is going to get probably a 50-50 time share with Darius Geis because if the Redskins training staff wants to be smart with the health of Darius Geis, they cannot put him out there with a full workload early in the season. So I'm not saying that he starts the year as RB21. I'm saying towards the middle and end of the year, once he finally gets his groove and kind of gets going, he's going to be the clear leader out of the backfield there. So I think given that they have almost no wide receivers to compete with him to take away a uh, workload in the passing game other than Chris Thompson out of the backfield. For me, it just comes down to who's the best player on the team, who's going to get the ball. It's going to be Darius guys, because that offense doesn't have a lot of playmakers. And I think volume alone keeps him around the back end of the RB2 range in fantasy. So I, to be honest with you, I, I thought this was going to be low compared to where you guys are going to rank him. So I was shocked to see this. So um, I'd be interested to see, why you guys are really, really low on him compared to where I have him. Well, I think uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time would take offense that you say there's no <laughs> one behind him. Uh, I mean, that is a fair point. I was... they went out, yeah, so that's one big concern for me is they went out and re-signed AP to two year, a two-year deal, and he looked decent last year. So I, and I 100% think that they hope for guys to be the lead back, but I... The fact that they did that makes me wonder if they're going to try to make it a 60-40 split or something like that. And that could be damaging. Then the other problem for me is just how bad this offense is going to be. You, I mean, the fact that Geis is the best weapon is good, except that it's also not good because they don't have any other way to get down inside the 20 and score. So that's a big concern for me. Interestingly, I predicted like uh, two months ago, I think, that they would trade for Josh Rosen. And that the rumors have come out recently that they are one of the teams very interested in that. I don't know what that does for the offense, but it's something. So there's that. Yeah. Ken, earlier hit, in hit the, the show, breaking news drop. Oh. Breaking news. No, they did not oh, trade got... for Josh Rosen. But oh! apparently, this just came out. Uh, I just got an update on my phone. Apparently, Arizona has quote at least two offers for Rosen. So. Maybe, oh. maybe the Redskins. Yeah, I saw that before the show. Um, <laughs> I kind of just thought that was the Cardinals, or excuse me, the, yeah, I thought that was just the Cardinals putting out news just to get people to bite on a trade, personally. Hashtag fake uh, news. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, the earlier in the show, Okada said that the worst offense in the league was the Giants, and I almost immediately argued, but the Washington Redskins exist. And well, you said that. No. Well, I did, but you I think you oh. followed up on and said they were the yeah, worst yeah. in the league. Um, but I think Washington is. And unfortunately, uh, he also does have Adrian Peterson behind him, who 
I mean, yes, he's old, but they signed him back for a reason. They didn't have to. And if they didn't have full faith in Geis, then uh, then why would they do it? So that, those are the concerns I have right now. I think he could be an RB2, uh, but the path to get there is rough uh, considering his starting point. So let's swing on down to Aaron Jones here. Okada has him as an RB1 at 11. I have him at 16, Betts at 17. So Okada, uh, explain your case. Yeah, and consensus, if you guys want to know, is 14. That's mostly my fault, obviously. Uh, so, listen, Red Shirts listeners have learned by now that for some reason I have an, a huge attachment to Aaron Jones this year, and I'm learning that now for myself as I go. I did not realize how much I, I was like, going to like Aaron Jones heading into this year, but I really do. And there's a lot of reasons. One, you can listen back to the last pod for the fun fact, uh, the Okada's fun fact of the day. Here's another one, which we didn't share earlier because I was saving it for Aaron Jones. I was looking through last year on just how bad Mike McCarthy's coaching was because of this story that came out, obviously. I'm sure a lot of you have read it. It's a really good read, by the way. If you haven't read it about him and Aaron Rodgers and how McCarthy was incompetent, which he kind of was, I looked in history, in NFL history, the the Packers last year are the only team to run the ball less than 35% of the time while averaging over four and a half yards per carry. As a team, they averaged five yards a carry, and they still only ran the ball 32% of the time. It was idiocy. And Aaron Jones himself was a heavy, heavy reason for that yards per carry on the team being so high because he led the entire league with 5.5 yards per carry. He was super dominant when he got the ball, which was not enough. So I think he's going to get the ball this year. I think that the new coaching staff is going to come in, look at these guys and say, oh, we have a guy who's potentially the most efficient running back in the league. And then we have another guy named Jamal Williams. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's give the ball to the dominant, efficient Aaron Jones, who, by the way, Aaron Rodgers also loves. So, And then the other, the other huge thing for me is this whole offense is going to get better. They were unbelievably down last year for, for a Packers offense. There's no way they don't get better with the new coaching staff. Rodgers is going to elevate this offense again like he always has. And Aaron Jones is going to end up playing in a top five, top eight, maybe offense. And we love to see that for our RB1s. So this is as high as I think he's probably going to get for me. But I could not push him down any lower. I just really love him. But what if... The new coach is just as bad as the old coach. Not possible. Not possible. Not possible. It might be. It <laughs> might be. Um, no, I don't know. I, I'm not a big believer in Matt LaFleur. I think he's better than McCarthy, but I think he's okay. Um, I like Aaron Jones. I just There's not enough reason there yet for me to put him in the RB1 category uh, because they have already said they want to split the time between him and pedestrian Jamal Williams, and it's frustrating. But it's reality, and I – until I, you know, hear a little bit more positive news about Aaron Jones, I can't move him up. Yeah, that's that's the exact reason, Kent, that I have him where I do, kind of right in that middle RB two range. I think that there's going to be weeks where he's fantastic, and there's going to be weeks where he is just a back end RB two. And I think that at the end of the year, that probably balances out somewhere, probably around our consensus. Honestly, um, yeah, I love the talent. I just wish that they could commit to him and see what everyone else sees in him because he is. Very, very good. They need to utilize him. So, Matt LaFleur, if you're listening, which you probably are, uh, put him in the lineup, please, true. because Okada and I need him in Dynasty. So, please, please, please <laughs> <Very true>. play <laughs> Aaron Jones. <laughs> All 
All right, and then we're kind of running short on time here, so let's wrap this up with the last discrepancy. Uh, Damian Williams, you guys have him ranked 18 and 19. That's Okada and Betts, respectively. And I have him ranked 27th, and I'm a hater. I'm a big hater. I'm sipping wow. on Haterade. Big hater. Um, no, I mean, I've said it before. I, I still believe in Carlos Hyde's ability to be the lead rushing running back here for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think Damian Williams will – Take the passing work and some rushing, but not enough to be a wide. Uh, excuse me, a running back too. I just don't. I don't see the workload being there uh, for that. And I. I think that Carlos Hyde's more likely to have more touchdowns than um, than Damian Williams is to lead. So, I. I. I just. I don't think I'll change on that because I don't think the running back situation is going to change through the through the preseason and. I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll move him up to like 25, but I don't think I can move him any higher than that. So your ranking then basically assumes that Carlos Hyde is the lead back in the offense. Is that correct? Yeah, maybe more like a 1A, 1B type situation, but um, I... But Hyde is the 1A. But but this is, you know, this is a Pat Mahomes offense, and they're going to be passing more than anything. And you know, and I'm and I'm kind of now realizing on the fly that comparatively to the Browns, I, I see a lot of similarities. Baker Mayfield's not um, a wheeler dealer um, type of quarterback like Mahomes is, and does all that crazy stuff. But uh, the passing is definitely more vertical for the Chiefs right now, and I don't see that playing into the hands of Damian Williams if he's not the number one and and sole running back on their roster like he was last year. Yeah, I think it comes down to how Andy Reid likes to use the running back position. I kind of feel like it, it could be Carlos Hyde. It also could be Damian Williams, to be honest with you. I'm, as each week goes by, I kind of flip-flop back and forth of who it's going to be. But regardless of who it is, I think it is going to be the guy. I think it's going to be one or the other. Maybe not even this 1A, 1B. I think it's going to be a 1 and a 2 because of how historically Andy Reid has used that running back. So if it is Damian Williams for sure and we head into week 1 that we know that, he's going to skyrocket up my rankings. Similarly to that, Carlos Hyde as well. So whoever it is, they're going to be probably ranked close to back-end RB1, honestly, when the, the time comes. Yeah, I was going to say, Kent's ranking is kind of more respectable than ours, bets because we did the ultimate hedge here, kind of how you were talking about earlier. Uh, there is no way that Damian Williams is the RB 18. He's either the RB 27 or worse or a top 12 running back. Yeah. And it's yep. to your point of what you're saying. He, whoever gets the lead back in that offense is going to get the lead back in that offense. If we see Andy's reads history continue this year. And if it's Williams, he's going to be much higher than our consensus or either of us. And if it's Hyde, it's going to be down where Kent has him or lower. So it's, an, it's it's certainly an interesting situation. I I had the the ability to pick a side. <laughs> I I take a stand. The cajones. <laughs> no, um, I I get why you rank them where you do because you know draft rankings aren't exactly like where you think they'll end up. It's kind of just the order in which you would draft a guy. So I I can see the difference in kind of approach there. So that's understandable, but. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this show. We talked about a lot of running backs today. Kind of the first time we dived, uh, or dove rather, into some of these guys for the 2019 season. So that's exciting stuff. Be sure to check out our rankings on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Those will be live and updated all throughout the offseason, as I mentioned earlier. So, thank you for listening to today's show. And once again, we are the Redshirts. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.